This is the Tan Report. I'm your host, Tan Trung. In the podcast this week, I'm taking a look at people in Louisiana. More specifically, I want to focus on the people who have left the state, some of the reasons why, and how it all deeply affects the rest of us who are still here. First, let's get a snapshot of what's happened recently with Louisiana's population. Here's what numbers from the U.S. Census Bureau show. Louisiana ranks fifth in the nation when it comes to population loss. From July 1, 2021 to July 1, 2022, Louisiana lost 36,857 residents. The other states that lost more residents are New York, California, Illinois, and Pennsylvania. If you widen out to include 2020, the number of residents who left Louisiana is north of 67,000. And unlike the other states in the top five, we're not a very large state size-wise or population-wise. There's only about 4.6 million people here, so you could argue that Louisiana's loss of people is more acutely felt. But as I mentioned before, this is just a Polaroid of Louisiana's population. If we go back, say, before 2005, before Hurricane Katrina, then we get a more documentary-style photo album. To add color and context to the photos, I drove toward Lake Pontchartrain to the University of New Orleans Research and Technology Park. There, I sat down with Greg Rigamer in his office. I am a political consultant and do a significant amount of public research polling. I'd imagine demographics and demography is part of that. It's at the heart of it. I'm sitting here with you today, and I sought you out just because I took a look at some of the census data and I've read you know, various articles on the population loss in Louisiana. And in my searches, I saw you in past articles going back to 2008, talking about population loss in Louisiana. How does this compare to previous times in terms of what we're seeing now? Well, Louisiana was in a growth mode previously, but we have not had the benefit of growth in a long time. And particularly, uh, when you start looking at events like Katrina and Ida and Hurricane Rita and all the others, Laura, you know, it's really been a challenge for coastal Louisiana. And as a practical matter, a majority of the people live, a significant majority of the people live below I-10, which is clearly the area of greatest threat. It's not only an issue from a residential perspective, but it's an issue from an economic perspective about jobs, getting businesses and industries to locate here. That plus the shift in the oil and gas industry, which has previously been a very significant and beneficial industry in Louisiana, has resulted in difficult times for a lot of people. I was actually sitting down with the head of the Gaming Commission and he said that the tax revenue that was generated from oil and gas, and I'm spitballing it here, was roughly $650 million, where tax revenue from gaming last year was north of $1 billion. Yeah. And it, it, I think it shows a, just the shift in terms of economically where things are, where they used to be in terms of how much investment and development in oil and gas to where we are today. Yeah, it's, it's, I think that's, statement speaks volumes. Because when you look at what is the return that you get on gambling, uh, not much. <laughs> no, I mean, you're really literally sucking money out of the community. And granted, a billion dollars worth of tax, that's, that's pretty significant. But as a real practical matter, uh, I don't think it's beneficial for the state. Here, we've heard a lot of discussions, especially in the New Orleans metro area, that 
we need to diversify it's something other than tourism and you know service industry type jobs where does that fit into overall in Louisiana if we're talking about population loss in the coastal areas and even other areas outside of the New Orleans metro well you have to have you have to earn money and that that's really all about it as you said if you if you looked at my commentary from you know, early 2000s through now, it's the same thing. People follow the money. And as a practical matter, our income is so substantially less than what it is in the U.S., you know, our household income. And when you look at that and you overlay that with population changes, migration, that's a direct correlation. You know, people are leaving to, quote, better jobs. As a pollster, Greg has numbers to explain his points. The week before I met with him, Greg told me he wanted to do some research ahead of time. On this particular day, he showed me some of his findings. He pulled it up on a large screen at the front of his office. And I have to say it's a nice setup. Greg has a lot of space. It's a corner office with glass on three sides, so the view is expansive. And there's a lot of natural light. But I wasn't there for the interior design, so let's get back to what Greg wanted to show me. So what are we looking at here, Greg? I'm sorry. Uh, household income. Okay. And when we, we, we look at this, median household income in the United States is like right at $70,000, 69717 That's 2021, the latest numbers that are available. Louisiana is 52000 That's a colossal gap. Wow. You know, on that. And so when we, we, we look at this, you can see that people are leaving for better job opportunities. There's no, no question about it. And when you look at uh, county parish level statistics, uh, you can see, I know you podcast is very difficult to see, but. No. <laughs> this is, we will describe it through words here, Greg. <laughs> you know, but you know, North Louisiana, Central Louisiana is really very low income. Can, can you click through those? I mean, let's yeah. take a look at some yeah. of the metro area. Um, yeah, parishes. well, like Wachita Parish, okay? The, the urban areas are a little bit better, but, you know, Wachita Parish itself, you know, 39,000, 39, under 40,000. Yeah. Uh, look at Orleans. Orleans, you know, uh, 46,000. That's not significantly higher either, though. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, so the, the, the statewide average in Louisiana is 52,000, all right? And so when we look at this within Louisiana, why are people leaving north and central Louisiana and coming south? It's because higher income. Not as good as the U.S. Gregman pulls up graphs and maps of parishes in the state. And when we look at this, we have 64 parishes. Only 18 parishes have gained population since 2010. 46 parishes have lost population. In the last decade and yes. change. Yes, okay. And then when we say, okay, well, let's, how many parishes have an income above the state average, not the U.S. average, okay? So now we look at it, we see 17 have an income above the state average, equal to or above the state average, and 47 or below. There's a direct correlation between those two, <laughs> you know? I mean, absolutely direct. And when we look at how many parishes have an income at least equivalent to the U.S., you've got three. I'm just curious to pick your brain about this. How much does 
the natural disaster, the susceptibility to hurricanes, so on and so forth, factor into the population loss. When we place it over the, I guess, the fragile state of uh, the economy and, and how development here is lacking, how does that factor into it? Does one lead to the other? I mean, yeah, because I, we're, we're so prone to natural disasters coming off of these multiple disasters that we had in the last 20 years, how does that factor and does that factor into our inability to boost those incomes and get more economic development because people don't want to invest in here? One of the things that you've seen over time, and that's not just in Louisiana but throughout the U.S., uh, when a community is prospering, okay, and you have a disaster, it responds and recovers very quickly and typically comes back stronger because of the inflow of money to address the disaster. And not to get into the politics, the idea of build back better. Correct. On the other hand, if a community is in a state of de decline, a disaster is catastrophic because it never come, the community does not come back up to where it was previously. Uh, people who are in business have a marginal situation, they don't rebuild. People who are in business where it's really prospering, they have an investment to recover and they come back with a vengeance. We saw that here after Katrina. Um, I worked on some very significant tasks modeling the recovery of the city. And I've always, you know, tried to remember that if you recognize the obvious, everybody will think you're a genius, you know. Reporters like to think that, too. <laughs> yeah, everybody we does. We state the obvious. It's a, but, but, but it's great. It, it's, it's a sense of grounding. So early on, the framework that we used to build models was, okay, the deeper the water, the deeper the flooding, the more significant the damage would be. Areas with better income would be able to recover more quickly because they had the resources to recover. So when you had flooding that was less than four feet in the area, a wealthy area would be able to come back much more quickly than an area that was poverty struck. You think Clearly. of mid-city or uptown that maybe had some patchy flooding versus what New Orleans East went through. Correct. In income, okay? And that, that, that bore out. I, I had the privilege of working with Entergy throughout that time and, once again, trying to recognize the obvious, said, okay, block by block, if we know the number of active utility accounts in a block prior to the storm, that would be a great way to measure it post-storm. How was the area coming back? And so we created these maps on a block-by-block -block basis that went from red to where significantly lower number of accounts up to green to where it was equivalent to what it was post-storm. And sure enough, I mean, it just absolutely followed the depth of flood. And it makes sense, okay? It followed depth of flood and income because the ability to recover is directly related to the resources that you have. Now, prior in, to the storm, 2005, uh, July census estimate, you know, New Orleans had a population 
455000 or, or something like that. I remember those days. Yeah, which was lower than it was in 2000. We, get, we were on a state of decline. We had about 285000 something like that. And so New Orleans had a significant population loss between 2000 and 2005. So today, Orleans Parish is 380,000, 390,000, something like that. So, you know, going on 20 years, we have not recovered to the point where, where Katrina was. Now, there was a significant investment in rebuilding, which beneficial to, to, to a number of people, but the community has still not achieved where it was pre-Katrina. And then throw in BP. You look at the money that BP spent on recovery initiatives throughout Louisiana, but particularly in southeast Louisiana, you know. And even with those types of inflows, significant capital inflows, we're losing population. That says a lot about the economic base of the community. Now, is the external forces working on or working against Louisiana, or is it some internal self-inflicted wound going back to how we don't diversify enough economically? I don't want to be binary in it. No, no, I, I understand. But there's clearly a problem, just simply put. And you look at our educational system. We have never been in danger of being at the top of the list. No, no. <laughs> and we and are. I think I just saw a few studies or articles of how the charter system uh, in Louisiana is losing a tremendous amount of students as well. Yes. Which doesn't bode well for the educational system here. But back to your point. No, but but what I'm saying is that you know when you 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 look at communities like. Houston, Atlanta, Dallas, Austin. Uh, at one time, we were competitive with those, but we clearly have lost our advantage completely in, in, in that competition. Can I push pause there for a minute? When were we in competition? That must have been before my time. I just don't feel like Louisiana was ever Early really... 1900s. Okay. Well before my time. So. <laughs> before your time. Then I was accurate. <laughs> I was stating the obvious to your point. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, when you think about it, just, just look at the pattern of trade. The river was the major source of transportation in the early 1900s. You needed river and you needed rail. You know, when you built the interstate system, you kind of made it so that rail wasn't as important, so anything with waterway access could really emerge as a center. And then you started moving cargo by air. Now, all bets are off. Now, the cargo that moves by air is product that has the benefit of value being added. You don't ship coal. You don't ship things like that by air. But you do ship high-value commodities by air. And when you mention interstate and you mention air, I think of Atlanta. I mean, that is the southeastern hub. I mean, it's the busiest airport in the world. And, you know, we can't hold a candle to Atlanta in terms of just transportation and the efficiency in moving things. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of, you know, shifted a bit. When New Orleans was prospering, there was a, 
a, a group, a class, who really took advantage of brokering situations. You didn't have to produce. You just had to get in the middle of something. <laughs> and that's kind of stuck with us, you know, in a lot of ways. And uh, I, I think when you look at that natural transition, you look at our educational system, have fallen behind. Now, obviously, throughout Louisiana, you had the same situation. Not, not that the river runs through every parish or anything like that, but there are very few areas in the state that have rock-solid educational structure. So if we could list some of the elements and some of the factors at play here and just you know, check me when, when I step out of bounds here. We're looking at a situation in a state that has very low income potential, very, I guess, I don't want to... I would say very low income. Low income? Yeah, right. Not, not low income potential, but low income, yeah. You have low economic development in terms of diversifying your economy. You have a high potential, and it's been proven to get hit by natural disasters and a tough time recovering from them. You have a challenged school system. I don't want to be too harsh here, but you have a school system that, at least the public school system, that doesn't rank at all. Uh, no, it's close near the to bottom. The top, near the bottom. A absolutely. So are those elements of those factors just keeping us down? And this is part of the reason, and perhaps the reason, why we're seeing this, this flight out of Louisiana. I think, as a real practical matter, that's the issue. And it's, it's a monumental one to address because it's not like, okay, we can change it tomorrow. You can begin a process. You can start in a positive direction, but results take a while. Complicating everything is the issue of crime. Earlier in our conversation, I mentioned Marcus Aurelius, a Roman emperor in about 200 AD. He's considered one of the great Socratic scholars. He pointed out that poverty was the mother of crime, literally in the, those terms. So this is not anything new. You have low income, you're going to have crime. That's simple. And you look at the phenomenal problem that we have. It is greater in the urban areas, but look at Bugalusa right now, what, what they've gone through. You know, on this. You have the mayor calling for the National Guard. I don't know how realistic that is, but No, yeah. but what I'm saying is it's pervasive, you know, and when you get, you know, right down to it, a lot of that is income-driven, and income affects family stability. So if you don't have income, you're more, less, you're, you're more likely to have an unstable family environment. So, yeah, it, it, it's all related. I don't think there's any question about that. When you do public opinion surveys, when you say, what would you like to see our leaders address? Crime and education are the top right up there. Consistent. Yeah, yeah. In a recent survey that I did throughout the state, 600 live interviews, which, you know, pretty good, pretty good number. What would you like to see the next governor address? Better jobs was right up there with crime. Actually, it was a little bit ahead of crime on a statewide basis, but greater emphasis on economic development and higher paying jobs. And, you know, you've mentioned natural disasters once or twice. 
not only do you have the situation of the costs associated with natural disaster and the, the terrible plight that families and businesses go through trying to recover, but now you have an insurance industry Absolutely. that says, we don't want any of this. And in many ways, uh, I thought Ida was going to be a significant long-term problem for coastal Louisiana. Not that Katrina was not one, but as a practical matter, you saw a $15 billion investment to build flood protection around the metropolitan area, which is an incredible investment that the people of the United States made in New Orleans. What, what Ida showed was that, as a practical matter, all of coastal Louisiana is vulnerable. Right, because I think in the wake of Katrina, you could somewhat, quote-unquote, fortify or better protect a metro area, but now you're expanding it out to coastal Louisiana, and coastal, yeah. what the hell do you do there? Yeah, and the path of a hurricane, I mean, people are certainly more sophisticated in projecting where it's going to land one thing or another, but it's like rolling a marble on a table. You know, had Katrina been, you know, a few miles to the west, there's a question about how recoverable the city would have been because of the significant extent, uh, the impact of the water. And, I mean, it would, it would have really been colossal. I mean, it was colossal, but it, it would have been worse. But what I showed is that, look, that can happen anywhere in, on the coast. And, you know, the year before, we, we had Laura, Lake Charles, and Calcasieu, and it was horrific. So now you're you're seeing the insurance industry reluctant to underwrite the risk. Now that's a colossal issue, both at the individual level and the business level. The concerns about property insurance is now at crisis level. The state legislature this week convened a special session about it. Lawmakers are trying to figure out how to attract more insurance companies to do business in Louisiana. Following consecutive hurricanes in the past few years, more than two dozen insurance providers have either withdrawn from the state or become insolvent. Greg told me the cost of his business interruption insurance went up by a crazy amount following Hurricane Katrina. Now, after Hurricanes Laura, Ida, and other disasters in Louisiana, there are fewer options to get insurance. And when you're able to get or maintain a policy, the premiums are extremely high. It's incredibly difficult, and that's why they're going to call a special session of the legislature to put a fund up for insurance companies to, as an incentive to come and write in business in Louisiana. Essentially, I don't know that they would like to describe it this way, but the state is saying, look, we'll share the risk. We will contribute to the capital required to be able to support your insurance so that you can get reassurance. Of course, Louisiana is not the only state in the South to have suffered natural disasters in the past 20 years. But for the most part, the South as a whole is growing, except for here. Again, Greg explains why that is through another chart he put together. It shows the concentration of incomes in some of the southern states that are ahead of us on many fronts. When we look at areas like in the Houston and the Austin areas, I mean, we see far greater household income than, than what we see yeah, it's very yeah. sparse in, in Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, here. but you have significant concentrations. But, I mean, you, you have communities like, I mean, Nashville is exploding. Charlotte, you know, Atlanta, obviously. The Raleigh area. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Texas and Florida have had their 
I don't want to say as much as we've had, but they've also had natural disasters. And that was my point earlier, is that when you have a prosperous community, they recover more quickly to regain their, their, their market position. You know, but when you have people who are struggling or losing money in their business, the question is, do I really want to rebuild here? And I think it, it's a very strange circular argument now because if you have less people, you have less influence. And we could argue that politically, because they have the population in Houston, in Miami, uh, in southwest Florida where we had the hurricane last year, you're going to have more influence because you have more people, you Absolutely. have more political clout. So it's, it's you know, it's just, we're on this cycle. No, where that's what I'm saying. It's a spiral. I mean, if you, you know, if you're on the way down, it quickens the pace. If you're on the way up, it goes faster. Politically, what does population loss do to the politics or to the political landscape of Louisiana, in, in your view? Does it favor one party or the other? Well, Louisiana has made a phenomenal transition from being a truly, purely Democratic state to almost purely Republican state. Over a, a period from 2004 to 2011, there was a colossal transition in the election of Republican legislators, okay? And when you have a poor community, and like I said, Louisiana's income is, you know. We're a poor state. We're a very poor state. It creates a lot of stress. You know, at the family level and, and, you know, from a political perspective, people kind of build platforms about the giving away all money. I don't know if this is in your toolbox of expertise, but does population shift and loss, depending on where it's coming from, does that change representation politically? Does that change any dynamics in terms of Congress, state, legislature? It does. I mean, as, as a practical matter. Well, I'll give you a perfect example, okay? From 2010, now Orleans was clearly in a state of recovery from Katrina in 2010, but from 2010 to 2020, the city's population increased significantly. House District 23, which was located in the northwestern part of the state, was actually relocated into New Orleans. Orleans Parish. Orleans Parish picked up a seat in the House of Representatives because of our population growth during that period. And Northwest Louisiana lost the seat because this, you have 105 House seats and it's based on the population. Divide the population by 105 and that's the size of every House district. So yeah, you lost a seat in northwest Louisiana, and it comes down to Orleans, the most progressive parish in the state. When I say progressive, I'm saying just saying people who vote progressively. So there's, there's a deep level of political implications there. Absolutely. Sure. Politics will very much be in the faces of Louisiana voters this year, since we'll be electing a new governor this fall. Soon, if not already, we'll be bombarded with ads about candidates and their plans to address some of the challenges we've been talking about here. Greg says political campaigns and the ads they produce can often distract from real issues that affect voters. Candidates are courting voters. 
very few candidates are going to say, get off off the couch and, you know, start paying attention to these things. It's your responsibility. They're not going to do that. They're going to say, you're diminished because of somebody else's fault. So, yeah, I mean, the political process and the elections are a vast marketing campaign. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what they are. You know, I'm the freshest, the most beautiful. You know, I'm going to make your life better. So, yeah, they're not going to point the finger at people and say, we've got to do things differently. And I never want to say to be fair to politicians, but to be fair to that situation, it, you know, you're getting these messages and this messaging is coming at you maybe on a YouTube ad, maybe on television, that's a 30-second spot. It's hard to convey how do you get better job development, how do you get better insurance coverage versus it's the Liberal Democrats or it's the MAGA Republicans that did this. And you're just, obviously, as you said, you're just courting votes and it doesn't really get to the core issue of what we really need to address here. I mean, I think that's the the rise in popularity of identity politics. You know, you're just like me. I mean, how many classifications do we have of people now, you know, relative to, to everything? So, I mean— And even the Republican Party, I mean, no, there's no, factions within the no, Republican Party. No, no, party. but yeah. absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's really about identity politics. It's not issue-driven. It, it's, it's just like a circus. And I'm involved with it. I mean, I, you know, I'm involved in lots of campaigns and, you know, consult at a respectable level, significant level. And you would hope that, you know, once elected, people really do have the ability to bring folks together. Considering how current politics are, it's fair to ask if voters would even want a candidate that could bring people together. But from Greg's point of view, Louisiana won't be able to stop or reverse this ongoing migration out of the state unless there's political will and cooperation. Our culture of anything goes does not serve us well from an economic, you know, standpoint. Everybody loves the fact that New Orleans is the big easy, but that's the problem. And everybody loves coming here. We have some of the best food and entertainment in the U.S., but people go home <laughs> afterwards. You know, they, they come here for a short stay. And, yeah, and not to diminish what we do here, but it, it seems challenging to service our way to the top. That's why the income is so low. I mean, uh, the hospitality industry is wonderful, and they do a great job. But it, it, it's not a high-paying industry by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, like we have unemployment in Louisiana is at an all-time low. So why are we at the bottom of the income? You just don't have high-paying jobs. Because <laughs> we don't have high-paying. <laughs> there we are stating the obvious again, yeah. Greg. Yeah. It's kind of like in Lion King, the circle of life. We started with that comment, and you, you, you come back around to it. And if issues like income, insurance, and job creation don't get better, We'll be coming around to this same conversation again and again. In New Orleans, I'm Tan Trung for WWL Radio.